Welcome to Exploring Reality with Than Christopoulos, and I am not Than Christopoulos. Welcome, Than. How's it going? <laughs> well, I'm just here to ask Than a few questions, and we're just so excited still, Than, that uh, your branch of Forerunners of America is launched, and uh, people can find you and a lot of your stuff there at forerunnersofamerica.org forward slash exploring reality. And so for new people, I just want to remind everybody that Than is helping us stand firm. In other words, he's an apologist. He helps us answer questions that left unanswered could create doubt. But Mm -hmm. uh, Than, come out at us once again today, slaying our doubts. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. Well, hey, it's been a few weeks since you were able to be on. Um, Obviously, we're putting out other Forerunners material, too, but uh, uh, it was exciting um, maybe a month ago or so to get your first two uh, deconstruction videos out there to really help people. And hey, um, why is this topic so important, deconstruction? Well, so like we talked about in the last two videos, um, one, it's just everybody goes through it, uh, and it's a good thing, like like we talked about in the first video. It's a process of just reevaluating your beliefs, making sure what you believe is true, the things you believe work together, all that stuff. Um, so it's a good thing. Um, but the bad part is that we in the church have a crisis where we're not aiding that process in a healthy way. And so we have, not only do we have a, just a bunch of people going through deconstruction in an, un, in an unhealthy way that leads to apostasy, but we also have all these famous people now doing the same thing that's causing like a waterfall effect on other people that look up to these um, famous Christians, right? And, and so I think it's necessary for the church to recognize the issue, confront it in a healthy way, and um, recognize the underlying pillars, I guess, that we covered in that second video. And then finding a way to move forward um, is exceptionally important because at the end of the day, we want people to not only be saved and get saved, but stay saved. There you go. Uh, Soteriology aside. (laughs) Right. Kind of shifting from like slaying our doubts, as I said a minute ago, it's like becoming confident in our faith that, Mm -hmm. you know, then we're going to be, make more of a difference, you know, in other people's lives when we're, we're confident. And so, I'm really glad that we get to look at deconstruction again today, um, because as we're confident in helping others, then they'll uh, do the same. So today we're not so much looking at um, what deconstruction is or why people deconstruct, but how can we help people that are deconstructing right now, meaning they're putting their faith under scrutiny and with so many people deconstructing in an unhealthy way and deciding, yep, I'm walking away from the Christian faith, how can we actually help people do this in a healthy way? Um, yeah, so as a, as a recap from one of our last videos, there's four main pillars for why, what like triggers a deconstruction process, but then people still look at all four of them typically. And that's community or um, community slash cultural issues, um, emotional issues, evidential issues, um, and then theological issues. And so I think when we look at those four categories, I think there's a few different practical steps that we can kind of keep in mind 
regarding those things. So I kind of, I made some notes for this talk um, just to kind of keep my thoughts organized. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to ramble a lot. So um, I broke some of these things up. I broke, I broke our responses into two different categories, first of all. So I, I have proactive responses. So things that we do in anticipation of a deconstruction process happening, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we can't stop it from happening. We can we can put a bubble around our children and, as long as we want, but as soon as they're out of the house, that bubble's gone and they're still going to go through the deconstruction process, right? Right, yep. Um, and so that's not really a proactive re re approach. That's just kind of delaying the inevitable. A proactive approach is more along the lines of like, hey, I know this is going to happen someday. Here are the things I'm going to put in place to mitigate any issues in the long run. Um, and we can talk about more what that really means in a, as we go on. Um, I also broke up uh, another thing, which is a responsive approach, which I make distinction from um, from a, uh, a reactive approach. So responding to something means like, you recognize what's going on and you don't let, in my notes, this is the way I put it, um, you don't let your sinful nature take over how you react to something, right? <laughs> you um, you don't try to control, manipulate, um, you don't use like weird rhetoric to get your way or anything like that. You don't let fear dictate your emotions and your emotions dictate the way you approach the person. Um, you take a step back, recognize what's happening, and lovingly walk somebody through the process instead. Um, does that kind of help kind of where I'm going from with this? Yeah, absolutely. And I think just to clarify one area is that I remember you saying on one of our previous videos that it's like you're just helping somebody. I think you used a house illustration. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, some of the plumbing or wiring here isn't the best. I want to remove that, and I want to replace it with what is the best. And so yep. helping people deconstruct in that way with a mindset or heart set of, of improving, it just makes a world of difference rather than, I, th I think what you're saying, it's easy to emotionally react in the flesh, yep. and suddenly... Suddenly it's like, oh no, my kid is falling away from the faith and you start reacting in those unhealthy unhealth yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, so another one that I have is just um, just to keep an open mind. Um, I think it's really important that we don't die on hills that we don't need to die on. So issues like eschatology um, or for like a, a current day issue that I see going on a lot that's causing a lot of doubts for people is... Um, I've talked to people whose parents are telling them the vaccine is the mark of the beast. And <laughs> these <laughs> kids are going through massive doubts now about their faith because it seems kind of ludicrous to them um, that it could be. I'm not saying whether or not it is or not. Um, but I think that's like a third level issue. And our, our primary focus is to have our friends, families, and our kids um, walk a life that's repentant and service and trust to Christ, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what you're saying, then is like, like, listen to them, try to get to a root issue uh, that is cl clear in the Bible. Excuse me, What you, the two examples you just gave, there's a lot of varying opinions out there among mm -hmm. Christian leaders and people within our churches, but what you're really saying here is, hey, where, what's fundamentally at the root of why somebody is struggling? Let's listen to them and, and then respond. Yeah, exactly. And we have to remember the, te like the core tenets of our faith, right? Um, does God exist? Who was Jesus? Was Jesus God? Did he rise from the dead, the Trinity? 
um, our systems of soteriology, um, stuff like that. And so um, those are the main things. So we want to just back away from the second level and third level, third level issues. Those are important. Mm-hmm. Um, so systems of soteriology, meaning how we are actually coming to the point of being saved. Salvation. Yes, yeah. coming to faith in Christ where we're born again. And yeah, that would be key. You've been putting a lot of stuff out there on the internet on these very areas. Just tell us a little bit about like the stuff where you are addressing these very issues. Yeah, so we have the Exploring Reality page on the Forerunners of America website. And then, so on there, you'll have access to... Um, any any articles that I've written, all the videos that I've gotten, you'll see the video center, um, as well you'll, as well as you'll have access to the book that I'm writing once it comes out. So, and what's the title of that book? Um, it's going to be self-titled after the ministry, so exploring reality, and it's just going to be like a. My hope is that the average person can read this book, be very challenged, um, but be able to get a lot out of it. Well. I know that there's some stuff there on that that wing of Forerunners of America that's um, related to God's existence. I believe you go through the Kalam cosmological argument, and there's some other things that are going to be posted in the future. Um, you know, a kind of a bigger project that's going to not only be at the Forerunners website, but also um, out at YouTube and the internet and so forth, is um, what you're doing related to the resurrection. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so I have a, like you said, the, a project on the resurrection that I'm working on. And so um, I, I humbly, I, I call it um, the Lee Strobel case for Christ on steroids. <laughs> um, and so I'm covering as many things as you could possibly imagine. So I started off with, are miracles possible? Did Jesus exist? Um, I'm kind of taking apart the arguments that Jesus mythicists will make. Mm-hmm. Um making a positive case for the historical Jesus, the historical reliability of the Gospels, the traditional authorship of the Gospels, talking about alleged contradictions in the Gospels and why they're not really there, um, then kind of establishing some really basic facts about the story of Jesus. Um, and if you don't, um, most people won't, might not know what this means, but I'll be teaching what it is. Um, I'll be covering like a Bayesian analysis of all the possible explanations of the data. Bayesian meaning? Uh, it, oh man, um, it's it's <laughs> like a probability formula uh, that assigns probabilities based off some given data that you have. Okay. Um, so just be on the look. I, I'll explain a lot more what that means in those videos when they come out. Um, but yeah. Okay. So Than, I'm a parent. Uh, let's say they, in this scenario, I'm early 40s my teenage kid says i just don't know if i believe anymore yep tell us practically what do you say coming out of the blocks okay so on my notes that i have here for us um before i'm going to answer your question after i answer a different question that you didn't ask me um so the i think the first question you need to ask is if my kids aren't here but in anticipation of them getting to this point one day, what do I do? Um, and Great. so I would Great. say, yeah, first, go for it. So I'd say, first of all, parents, like educate yourselves. Um, don't just be complacent with loving the Lord with your with your mind, right? Um, 
don't just go to church. Don't just go to the Bible studies and know your Bible. Um, know why the Bible is um, reliable. Know why God exists, all this other stuff. And so... Okay, just, um, just hang, on, have... hang on right there. Yeah. So just to be even more practical. Okay, so back in my day... Um, and that helped me so much. I was already a believer, but it's like, wow, this is true, because there's actually evidence that the Bible's the Word of God. You know, all, various reasons. It couldn't have been this cohesive, uh, written mm-hmm. over so many centuries and so forth. But back in the day, um, uh, Josh McDowell, he really was a, a strong voice uh, for this. Uh, another one, uh, uh, Dr. Norman Geisler, he wrote a book on on how do we know the scriptures are true, called From God to Us. And those are still good resources, but Than, where do you steer people today? Are there more recent authors that have tackled this and maybe other subjects that come up all the time? Yeah, um, so it all depends on... It, it depends on a subject. There's right. There's people like Paul Copan. Um, there's people like Randall Rouser. Um, and these guys are writing on the reliability of the Bible or other things. Or, uh, a, a few different things, right? Because uh-huh. reli- the, the reliability of the Bible includes alleged Old Testament atrocities. Like, if God is all-loving, why would there be stuff like slavery or um, Canaanite genocides or alleged Canaanite genocides in the Bible? So we really want to, like, know how to answer all these things. And so pe- there's different authors that talk about different things. Um, Michael Heiser, it would be more of, like, a historiography guy where Paul Copan is more of, like, here's how we explain some of the atrocities we see. What's Michael Heiser's website or podcast? Like, how can people find him? I don't remember off the top of my head. (laughs) Okay, okay. just actually after I asked the question, it popped in. (laughs) But he has something called, a podcast called The Naked Bible. But anyway, he's the kind of guy that you could go to. Now, Than, I know over time you're going to develop a lot of this in your own ministry and materials and stuff, but I'm just trying to say, you know, there's people listening right now, whether it's they have kids or grandkids or a best friend, we are hearing this, because like you said earlier, these famous people are going public and just saying, I'm no longer a Christian, and we're hearing this now. But anyway, I like what you're saying here in terms of being proactive. Let's ourselves get in a good place. What are those doubts that we have that we never took the time and energy to actually settle in our own hearts? And so, anyway, that's huge. Um, Yeah. Yeah, keep going. So another proactive thing to do then is to proactively educate your children on these things. Um, Again, we... At least my mindset, and I've only been a father for almost two years now, so (laughs) we'll see how things go. (laughs) um, At least in my mindset, I want to equip my sons um, to be able to walk through life with independence um, and not have to worry about these things. I want them to teach how to think logically, rationally go about things and all this other stuff. So um, in my opinion, um, and this is up to the parents' discernment, obviously, but I think you should be exposing your children to Hinduism, Islam, atheism, um, teach them about paganism, um, and don't keep them in this Christian bubble, if that makes sense. Um, how, how about this? Um, so I'm in agreement with that. I'm just going a slightly different direction, but yeah. how about like even warning your kids, like forewarned is to be forearmed, so to speak. I'm like, mm-hmm. how about like saying, you know, um, let's say your son's Instead name, of expose, well, warn. Your, your son's name is Michael and you say, Michael, um, 
you know, I know that you love these Bible stories. Let's say he's 10 years old. I know you love Mm -hmm. these Bible stories and so forth, but I want you to know that one day you will run into people that don't believe that the Bible is 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 actually yeah. God's message to us, and they're going to say some things, and you know, and then maybe kind of go into a conversation from there. But again, more of this proactive approach, being prepared kind of idea. Yeah, exactly. I think equipping our children to have the rational thinking skills, the coping skills, and all this other stuff. I mean, this isn't just about deconstruction at this point, right? This is just about how do we parent our children? Uh, you know, we want to equip them to be successful, mature followers of Christ in the long run. And I think if we can equip them with tools like um, combating lies, mm-hmm. uh, it's just going to help us all the further. Okay, so what do you say to this? This is something I'm dealing with in my generation and older, but I think it's true of every generation. Here's, here's what's going on. So you hear somebody give their story, mm-hmm. and now what you hear is like everybody's got a narrative, okay? And they're just heart-wrenching stories, and they base truth, uh, or what they, th- let me put it this way, what they think is true, they're basing it on this heart-wrenching story. So just for example, so I just was torn up inside, and all these people were were not accepting me and helpful. And then I realized my true gender identity. I, I, I'm, I'm actually not a boy. I'm a girl. And then I came into myself. I came into my own. And now I'm so happy. I'm liberated. This is awesome. And I've had the sex uh, reassignment surgery. And I am now a woman. This is the greatest thing. And I'm free. Um, like, so we hear these emotional stories. And now we're saying, Wow, transgenderism is true. So what do you say? Like, people hear great stories, and how, how are we supposed to navigate this? Um, and I, again, I'm saying really any generation. Yeah, so th- this just kind of goes in line with that point that we just covered, which is um, proactively teaching our kids how to think properly. Um, the laws of thought, the laws of logic, and all these other things. Because all you would need to do... Like if I'm if I'm like having a conversation with this person that you just um, gave an example of, right? I would just have to give all I would have to do really to get them to realize the improper thinking is give a counter example of um, their line of thinking being false. So me just saying, well, I'm liberated, I'm free every single t- time I take a puff of meth. Mm. So right, mm-hmm. and so um, just kind of showing how using that same line of logic to show them like this is where that leads so obviously there's something wrong with our line of thinking because true correct ways of thinking don't lead to improper thoughts most of the time if that makes sense or improper conclusions right and i think it's really important where you and i are talking about this but all of us in the body of christ are talking about this and it's because whether it's like hey i feel liberated taking meth i feel liberated being in some uh other uh, body or, or or other sexual yeah. lifestyle. The the deal is, if mom and dad told their kids that these things are against God's will, not what the Bible teaches, don't do those things. But then they do those things and they feel liberated. Well, then they go into deconstruction, and they mm-hmm. deconstruct it in that way that likely will just lead them into I'm walking away from Christianity. Uh, that actually brings up just another thing that I think we should be educating ourselves on, or at least knowing proper resources on. 
um, we should we should have like an, a proper understanding of these beliefs that oppose um, the Bible. And so, um, unbeknownst to a lot of people, believe it or not, there's like a whole entire field of research and study um, between the science of gender and the philosophy of gender. And so, there's secular scientific and science scientists and philosophers that take a more biblical approach to gender hmm. um, and are secular scientists and philosophers that don't take that. And so kind of finding these resources and either educating ourselves so we can have an actual evidence-based um, rational discussion on these things, or at least going to the re- like the right resources, I think is really uh, important. Because far too often uh, I've seen a lot of one of the biggest complaints I get from people in my generation is, well, my parent, I talked to my parents about this, but the only thing that they showed me was an article from Fox News. <laughs> and so like they wanted something more substantial. So I think just going the extra mile to actually put the effort into knowing about these things helps a lot. Yeah. And having a sincere conversation when our kids are a lot younger on various issues, helping them to uh, pin this down before social media uh, mm-hmm. basically forms their mind and their perspective, which is a scary thought in and of yeah. itself. It's like it's more important than ever to take this proactive approach that you're talking yep. about. And then so the last thing I want to say when it comes to like being proactive is fostering an environment, um, fostering an environment of just inquisitiveness, curiosity, mm-hmm. um, openness and love and all these other things. And so I think that's really important because um, as somebody who's a new father, at least I really want my sons to be able to come to me for anything. Um, And I want them to know that no matter what happens, like they still have my love. So I want my son, if he ever goes through a deconstruction process, like one of the things I plan on telling my son is, look, whatever conclusion you come to, you're still my son and I still love you. I will convince you one day, <laughs> but at the end, of, but I, you're still my son and I still love you. And taking that right. pressure off really helps um, because we don't want people to feel manipulated or trapped into a way of thinking because mm-hmm. that just kind of makes you more opposed to. You know, I remember Sean McDowell talking about this very thing about his dad, Josh McDowell. And I think most of our listeners are aware of Josh McDowell and his huge reputation, all of his writings and that kind of thing. But, Josh's own son, Sean, was an adult, and he came to, to his dad, Josh, and said, Dad, I don't know if I believe this. Hmm. And so here we are. We're in deconstruction now, but is it going to go off the rails, or is it going to be healthy? Are we going to have better plumbing, or are we going to destroy the whole house? Well, anyway, um, Josh, he, he basically just looked at his son, Sean, with such love and just said, Sean, I am so glad that you're asking these questions. And oh. he he was not pushy. He was not uh, demanding. Um, uh, of course, you know, anybody in a moment could be rude or something, but none of that. And, you know, here's Josh, you know, saying, you know, well, you know, you need to you need to uh, go further and give be thoughtful and weigh things, you know, and I'm I'm here to help kind of stuff. So Anyway, oh. um, well, that's affirming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Sean came out great on the right side of this thing as such a force for good now. Yeah, um, that actually kind of fits in with what I was going to say, which is um, this is how we should start. This is how we should respond. And the, well, the first thing I have on my list is be excited. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I know it sounds counterintuitive, but be excited that your kid is questioning these things. That means that they're taking their beliefs seriously and they're taking responsibility for what they believe because they, they it's such an important thing to them. Mm -hmm. um, so be excited about it. Mm -hmm. And I would say that um, the other thing I wanted to put in is like, like, don't get defensive when it comes to these things. So for instance, if your kid asks you a question that you don't need, know the answer to, one of the most powerful, I think at least, one of the most powerful things you can do is show them how you not knowing the answer to a tough question doesn't shake you at all. Hmm. If that makes sense. Like you're so confident in your beliefs that this question I don't have the answer to doesn't shake me. And I know I'll find the answer. Um, if that makes sense, it, it builds this confidence in your kid because they see you having this confidence in, in spite of a lack of understanding of something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I was crystal clear on that, but... No, I think it's really good. Yeah, I and I, I think it kind of comes full circle to what you were saying uh, a little bit ago, and that is, um, you know, have we ourselves answered the tough questions? Are we mm -hmm. settled in our hearts? So when our son or daughter comes with this thing that we don't know the immediate answer to, that we genuinely look back at them not shaken. We're not just acting like we're calm. We actually yeah. are calm because we have a well, a reservoir of of all that God has showed us to to convince yep. us of his His truth and presence and reality. Yeah. Um, this next point that I have, again, seems counterintuitive. Um, and this is it kind of depends on how old your kid is and all this other stuff. But um, I think I think it would be wise to have a list of resources um, that might argue against your beliefs. So um, and I think that the reason why I say this is because it shows that you're open and honest about your um, dialectic with the with, with the kid. It shows that you're. So you're, it shows that you're so confident in what you believe that you're like, hey, here's the best arguments against what we believe. Here's the book on it. Go ahead and read it. Mm -hmm. um, it because, again, what, what does that show? It just shows confidence in what you believe, why you believe it. It shows that you've done the research and you've done everything that you need to do. Um, it makes you more credible, all this other stuff. And then mm -hmm. um, the, and it kind of has like this emotional effect on your, on people as well. Because now they don't feel like they're being spoon-fed things that are just going to teach them what to believe. Um, they don't feel like the flow of information is being manipulated. They feel like you're just all being open and honest with them and let it, and like helping them walk this path rather than controlling them. Um, but that kind of fits in with that proactive thing, like building our character, recognizing our faults, recognizing our sinful nature and how we want to react to certain things, confronting those parts of us, and not letting them control us. Um, and again, that's just kind of that re responding versus reacting distinction that I make. Um, so some more practical things that I have here, really at the end of the day, the big thing I think is um, ask your kids a lot of questions. Hmm. Um, so too often, I think, this goes with like, and th this is a lesson I learned because of debating. Um too often I've re I've realized that as Christians, we like to have the burden of proof for some reason all the time. And so what I mean by that is like um, somebody expresses a doubt and then we automatically sink it, like jump into pouncing mode. And we want to 
give a reason, give an argument and do all this other stuff. But we might not even understand what the issue is at the core of it. And so if somebody says, well, I don't know if I believe in God. There's so many different reasons why somebody might not believe in God. Mm-hmm. And so well, what do you mean by that? Well, mm-hmm. you know, I, he just feels so hidden. And I don't understand why he doesn't like like reveal himself to me. That's a much different question than, well, I just don't see the evidence. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So just mm-hmm. asking a bunch of questions. And even then, when they, when somebody might say like, well, he just seems so hidden. Why doesn't he reveal himself to me? Then you ask another question. Well, why do we have the expectation that he would be revealing himself to us all the time? Um, and then kind of helping them see these assumptions in the back of their head that might not be justified. Hmm. Um, so asking all these questions can help us really get to the root of deeper issues before mm-hmm. we want to go into the, you know, throwing things at them, <laughs> so to speak. Right. Um, you know, one thing I wish I had done differently raising my kids is, you know, many times they were giving the right answer, right? You know, which is good. And I was like inside, you know, happy. But you know what I wish I would have done? I wish I would, even what I'm saying is, even when they gave the right answer, I wish I would have said, how do you know that's true? Mm -hmm. Like, I guess I was probably too happy just to hear hear what I wanted to hear. But, you know, helping them think critically, helping them take that next step and be able to articulate, no, this is why I think it's true. And then, and then, you know, if they can't get there, you know, I could have been there to help them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, th- those are the main points. Um, and uh, I'm going to quote my, Michael Heiser here, and I'm going to say that this um, extends from the parents to pastors. And this is where I'm going to quote Michael Heiser when I say, pastors, you should be more reliable than the History Channel. Hmm. Um, and so I, this all extends to the pastoral, the pastoral staff and the churches themselves. Um, I think it, it starts from the family dynamic to the church. Um, we all need to do this. And I actually have a, a I, I might, I had a friend of mine who deconstructed and actually left the faith, um, who, um, I asked, you know, like, Hey, you deconstructed, you went through this process. Can you just give me some of your thoughts? And I asked him this after I wrote up all these notes on my opinions and my observations of the church. So this is some of the stuff he said, um, just to kind of, and I think this reinforces a lot of what we talked about. Um, He says, I'd say a lot less us versus them rhetoric and mindset where it's the believers versus the unbelievers or group A versus the world. Um, So that tribalism that we tend to get into, um, hurts at the end of the day. He also says um, less rhetoric and restricting information and who you hang out with and not trying to restrict outside sources um, as apostate sources or worldly material. Um, He said that it, in his experience, it varies throughout denominations, but they all at least hold to this idea that there are certain materials and things that we shouldn't watch, read, or listen to, especially from non-believers. And again, that kind of reinforces this whole like sheltering rather than equipping um, distinction that I've made. Um, He says dialing back on constant emotional appeals in lectures and talks would be nice. Um, Actually having something of substance. uh, He says, I see it in just about all the churches I've been to. It's either an odd metaphor along with typical slow music or turning the church into a mini therapy session. That's one of his 
That's one of the big things that he hated about going to church constantly. He wanted substance. He wanted to learn a theology, why we believe what we believe, what is the Trinity, all these other things. But instead, all he ever got was um, Jesus loves you. And while Jesus loves you is really true, he never was taught the things that he needed to know to be confident. Hmm. Um, and then his last thing that he says, and of course, the far less of the, haha, you better love Jesus else you're go you're wrong and you're going to be punished and go to hell rhetoric. I get that that's the standard belief of hell, but at this point it doesn't really help. Um, it doesn't push me closer to God. Um, Interesting. Wow. And I just, I just think that hits the nail on all the observations that we've put forth. And I found it really affirming that when I asked him his thoughts, um, it all just kind of lined up exactly with what we talked about hmm. and the notes that I wrote out. So I don't know if you have any thoughts. I just think that that is so revealing and so helpful. I wish I'd had that list 30 years ago. That's, yeah. That is so helpful. And you know, it's not just him, obviously. He represents a fairly significant percentage of people. Um, and I, I'm guessing a 20-something fairly young person? Yeah, about my age. And wow. unless anybody be concerned or want or like on the off chance that um, in your head, you're already poisoning the well with this information from him. Like um, he's he's a decent guy. Um, I would I'm not I'm not the kind of person that likes to hang out with people that are not decent people. And mm -hmm. so um, he's a he's a nice person. He's not somebody that left the church because he just wants to sin or anything like that. He's yeah. somebody that left because. Um, of all the issues he brought up and when he started questioning things all that happened was control, manipulation, rhetoric um, reactions that didn't help and all this other stuff and sooner or later he just I don't know how else to explain it other than that kind of stuff just does so much to the mind and to the heart that it gets difficult to confront those things again it creates like an emotional sandstone that a sandbag, I guess, would be a better <laughs> metaphor, that the person has to carry with them um, as they try to evaluate truth again. Hmm. Wow. I think uh, we're going to wrap up there because it's so vital. I, I just want to say in closing, Than, it's uh, this has always been important, but in light of what we're living in, in America right now, and probably more deception to some come, even higher levels of deception to come, greater challenges to come in our, our culture, our nation, the world. Um, this is crucial. And I, I guess listening to you, I'm taking away the idea of, of responding rather than reacting and thinking with people. Mm -hmm. Just thinking and in the process, probably um, asking good questions and helping people to think more deeply, um, think more critically but actually to think. And I don't think things go well in the future for people that, have, that are not really pondering mm -hmm. over what's true, what's false. Um, is this an emotional narrative or is there truth in it? Like, I really, uh, I really appreciate all that you're doing, Than. And so um, maybe as I close here, I, I would just highlight that there's um, been three of these videos where Than has shared 
uh, key ingredients related to deconstruction. So the first one, again, was just defining deconstruction and identifying high-profile people that deconstructed in a bad way, did not have the help that we talked about on this video. And they're really people that just walked away from the faith and then very publicly renounced Christianity and Christ. Uh, Very disturbing. But that's on the first podcast. If you didn't see that, I encourage you to go back and look at it. Uh, The second one, why people deconstruct. Very helpful to know probably what's going on um, in your friend's heart or in your son or daughter's heart or your grandkids. Very helpful. And then again, today here, just concluding with some practical perspective in how to navigate this. And so Anyway, thank you, Than. Thank you for investing in the body of Christ here. And, uh, and I hope a lot of people can make it to uh, your web, uh, web presence, your web page there, and uh, dive into a whole bunch of things. So uh, thank you, Than. Yeah, of course. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Good to be with you. You too.